Well, here we are, for better or for worse. So when it comes to your marriage, I'm just kind of curious, what goes through your mind when you think about your spouse? Or for those of you that are single, uh, you know, when you're thinking about dating, you know, what goes through your mind when you think about someone who, who might potentially be your spouse someday? You know, if your marriage is in a rough spot, because all marriages hit rough spots, married people, okay, so don't amen too loud, just the appropriate, the appropriate volume, amen, now, don't shout that, anyway. Do, do you say, well, hey, my marriage isn't perfect, but God is perfect, he's good, he's working on me, and I trust that he's working on my spouse, is that your attitude, or are those your thoughts, or are those the words that you're coming out of your mouth? If you're single, do you say to yourself, praise God, I know he's doing a work in me, and I can't wait one day to share the covenant of marriage for someone uh, with someone that God is working in right now. He's preparing for me. What do you say to yourself when you think about marriage or dating? Do you speak encouraging and positive, faithful words about your marriage, or do your thoughts sound more like this. If someone really knew me, they wouldn't want me. After everything I've done, I'll never have a good marriage. I'm just gonna live however I want. However I want. What I do now won't affect my marriage later. My marriage later. My marriage is beyond repair. No matter what, it'll never work. It'll never work. Everyone flirts. Everyone flirts. Everyone looks. Everyone looks. I'm not doing anything wrong. Besides, she's not meeting my needs anyway. I'm not meeting my needs anyway. I come from a divorced and broken family. No one in my family will ever have a good marriage. I married the wrong person. Divorce is my only option. So when it comes to marriage or dating, what do you say to yourself? Because there's really just two sources that contribute to your thoughts and to your words uh, and, and what you choose to believe. Once you stand with me today, we're going to read from God's Word, from the, the Gospel of John. We're going to read two different verses where Jesus tells us about the two different sources that we listen to and speak from and believe from. The first one's in John chapter 8, verse 44. I'm going to invite you to read aloud with me. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. What does the devil do? He lies. He lies. The second passage is just a few verses before this. Jesus talking in verse 31. You can read with this with me also. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you that you have truth for us, that we do not have to settle for the lies of the enemy or the lies that we see in our culture today, but we can have marriages and relationships that, are, are, that reflect you, or that reflect your way, that reflect your vision for our lives. So, Lord, I pray that as we listen to the word today, 
that you would shine truth into our hearts and wherever we might be believing lies, it would, it would be like the darkness when light comes in and it would just disappear. It would just be completely dispelled. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us and give us boldness to believe it and live it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You can, you can be seated. Today, we're, we're seeing in our culture... This marriage is under attack. The covenant of a marriage is under ongoing attack from the forces of darkness. And thankfully, there is a healing, life-changing truth that can silence the lies and set us free. So today, I want to just focus on some lies that destroy our marriage and what the truth is. Let's replace the lies with the truth. And so as, as we're addressing these, we, we might go, you, you might, in different seasons of your life, you might have things come in and it's like, in this season of my life, man, I'm really dealing with this lie. In that season of my life, I've, the enemy tries to come at me with this lie. And these lies are very common. I, I don't want anybody in here to think that, oh, man, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. These are common things that we've all dealt with in our marriages and relationships. And it's important that we get these things settled in the truth of God's word and by his spirit. Amen. So, because we want, we want the truth to set us free. The first lie is this, that many of us believe is this. It's the I can change him lie or I can change her lie. I can change him. I can make him better. Or for guys, maybe for some of us, it's like, I can save her, you know, I can fix her problems. Some of you guys are right now are going, I know that's not true, but <laughs> but, we, but we live from that. We live from that place. We, that it's, it's a lie that the enemy has fed to us that we have believed. And you don't, just, you don't just know what someone believes by what they say. You know what they believe by what they do, how they live their life, Right? And so some of us in the sitting here in the room, you go, well, I don't believe I can really change him or change her. I don't believe I can really save her or save her. I don't really believe I can fix all of her problems. But I'm looking at your life, and I look at your marriage, and I look at the way that you, that you speak to one another and look at the way that you deal with one another, and that lie is deep-rooted in there, even if it's not in your, in your consciousness, in your subconscious somewhere. There's an old quote that says, men marry women hoping they'll never change. But women marry men hoping they will change. <laughs> How many of you know that if those are your expectations, either one of you, that you're setting yourself up and the other party, you're setting yourself up for great disappointment, right? There's another old quote that says, opposites attract, right? And that's often the case like when before you're married and in the dating scene and you're like, man, I really, you know, I really dig this about her. I really like that about him. And it's, it's so different than me, but opposites attract. But then you get married and then opposites attack. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the very thing that you liked about the person that when you were dating becomes the very things that annoy you after you're married. You know, maybe you're dating ladies, you know, the, the laid back, easygoing, Mr. Go with the flow, Right. But then you get married, and he becomes Mr. Never Picks Up After Himself. 
The thing that attracted you early on in the relationship now is, is annoying you. Or guys, maybe you, you dated Miss Strong and Confident, but then you married her and then she became Mrs. Controlling and Nagging. Don't laugh out too, don't laugh too loud on that, okay? Don't nudge anybody. That could be dangerous to your health and your relationship, certainly. What happens over time is we start wishing for something we don't have, right? You know, and we, we can become dissatisfied, and sometimes rightly so, because there are serious issues that we deal with sometimes. It's more than just he doesn't pick up his underwear off the bedroom floor. That's, that's nothing. There are some real issues that we deal with in our life, and you might think, man, I really wish he would make me a priority. I wish that her life didn't revolve around the kids always. I wish he didn't drink so much. He doesn't know what he's doing to himself. He doesn't know what he's doing to our marriage and to our kids. I wish she didn't lose her temper all the time. And at some point you think, man, something's got to change if we're going to make it, if we're going to move forward. And you need to recognize when you want something to change, we're often tempted to change something. The way that we want to do it is, is by criticizing what we don't like. So you criticize your spouse, but it doesn't work. Or you, you nag your spouse and it doesn't work. Or maybe you even literally break down in tears and cry, but that doesn't work either. Not for the long term. These things might work in the short term. They might work overnight, but in the long term, they don't really fix anything. They don't really change your spouse. The truth is, is that only God can change a person. That, I should get a bigger amen on that. Only God can change someone's heart, not you. Nowhere in the Bible is there a verse that says nagging will change your husband or criticizing will change your wife. But you do have something that will work. I know I'm going to say this, and it's going to blow your mind. And you're going to be really shocked that these words are coming out of my mouth of all people. And it's going to be incredibly obvious, but what we often do is we trade the obvious for what's easy. What do you have in your tool belt? Prayer. If you're new here, I hope you can detect the sarcasm when I was saying that you were surprised of me saying this. Prayer. You're, I, I hope I sound like a broken record to you guys. Prayer has got to be a central core activity in your life. When your marriage is going off the rails, when it feels like it's burning down, there's two ways to pray. The first one is there, right there. Pray for God to change them. What, JD? Are you giving me permission to pray and ask God to change my spouse? Yeah, yes. If there is something that is seriously out of line and seriously hurtful and seriously painful in your marriage and in your family, pray for God to change your spouse's heart. 
Ask God, Lord, help bring my spouse's heart into alignment with your heart. J.D., do you really think God would answer that prayer? Yes, I do. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. God hears the cries of his people, and all things are possible with him. Pray for God to change your spouse's heart. Now, I realize some of you have been doing that for a long time. You've been asking God to do a miracle, and you're saying, God, I've been praying, but it doesn't look like it's working. I want to encourage you to be like the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18. She went before the judge, and the judge would not give her justice. So she kept going back, and she kept going back, and she kept going back until the judge relented and gave her the justice. Marriage is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You made a covenant that you would stand together till death do you part. You're in this for the long haul, and whether your marriage is thriving or whether it's barely surviving, prayer must be part of the journey. It, where we're, we're trusting God to do a work, where we're trusting the Holy Spirit to stir something up in our spouse, let's be a people who are praying, not complaining. Pray for God to do a work in your spouse's life. And here's what I've noticed. Here's what I've noticed about prayer. I'm praying for something. My circumstances may not immediately change. But I change. And prayer may not immediately change your spouse, but it'll change you. So when your marriage is on the struggle bus, pray and ask God to change your spouse. And then the second way we pray is to say, and I'm sure you know it's coming, pray for God to change you. Pray for God to do a work in you. What, what I'm about to say is not going to tickle your ears. It's not going to be like, oh, man, that sounds good. That's exactly what I came to church to hear today. But I'm going to say it to you anyway. Thank you, Michael. I know you're with me. You like to hear the hard things. If you want a better marriage, start with a better you. Because you cannot change your spouse. Only God can do that. So if you want a better marriage, start with a better you. One of the best prayers that you can pray is found in Psalm 139, verse 23. It says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search me, O God. I don't just want to be the finger pointer in this marriage, God. Do a healing work in me. And when you pray like this, you're going to start to see the Holy Spirit helping you change your attitude. And you, your, your approach in your marriage and to your spouse may begin to shift and change. And you may start to see the Holy Spirit helping you know how to, to deal with any abusive behavior that may exist. And, and, and the Holy Spirit might help you create some healthy boundaries. Or, or the Holy Spirit might start changing your attitude in such a way that you find yourself feeling like, I don't have to be in control. I don't have to be critical. 
And you might start to see how the Lord is healing your own hurting heart. And you now have the strength and the grace to forgive something that previously you thought was unforgivable. Instead of losing faith, the Lord's building your faith and giving you hope for your marriage. But it starts with, God, do work in me. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. Listen, I'm telling you, the devil is a liar, and he tells you, you can change your spouse. But only God can do that. So let's be people who are praying, not complaining. We pray, God, do a work in them, and God, do a work in me. Another big lie from the enemy is this. A good marriage is 50-50. A good marriage is 50-50. That's a lie. I mean, it sounds good. It seems right. But if you believe this, it's actually very dangerous and very harmful to your marriage. I want to show you this equation which reveals this, this 50-50 lie. It says right here, half-hearted effort plus half-hearted commitment equals wholehearted disappointment. That's, 50, that's, a, that's the 50-50 that's formula. And you come up half-hearted effort plus half-hearted commitment equals wholehearted disappointment. And this is what we see over and over and over again with people with good intentions, but they believe the lie that marriage is just a 50-50 thing. People who think that marriage is 50-50, what they end up inadvertently doing is this. They end up keeping score in their marriage. We've probably all been there at some point in our life. You're like keeping up with like how many times you've done this and you've done this around the house, or you've done this for the family, or, or you've served the family in this way, and then you're, you're like, but they haven't done this, this, and this. And you're keeping score. And any time you keep score, guess who wins? Nobody. You both lose. And those of us with kids at home, they lose too. Because marriage was never intended by God to be 50-50. God's intention is that marriage would be 100% full-on submissive love and servanthood to one another, laying down selfish desires to be a blessing to the other. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, I knew he was going to pull this verse out eventually. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. If it's good enough for Ephesus, it's good enough for us. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I want to read it to you now from the INIB version. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave 50% to the church and then waited for them to give 50% back to him. That's the INIB version. That's the it's not in the Bible version. <laughs> How did Jesus love the church? 100%. All in, all the time. His entire life. Husbands, it's 100%, not 50-50. It's 100% all in, all the time. And wives, you're not off the hook. 
Because just a few verses earlier, in verse 22, Paul says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as much as you is convenient for you. No! As to the Lord! What? Are you kidding me, Jesus? Submit to my husband as to the Lord? 100%. It's, ladies, it's 100% all in, all the time from you too. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100. Marriage is not a contract where it's like, well, I'll do my part if you do your part. No, that's a relationship built on mutual selfishness. Marriage is a covenant that's built on mutual selflessness and sacrifice. It's not a negotiated business deal. it's, It's a sacred commitment made to one another before a holy God. And, and if, you, if you missed the first part of this message, it was like three Sundays ago, go back and listen to it on our podcast, or you can watch it on our website or YouTube channel or whatever, all the places that it is. But I, t- I talk about the difference between marriage being a contract and marriage being a covenant. And the reason that we needed to, to look at that and define that is because how you view marriage determines how you or how you view relationships determines how you navigate marriage. And so if you think that your relationships are just contractual and not covenantal, it's going to have an incredible effect on the way you do marriage. And the way that you view marriage has an incredible effect on your sex life. Go back and listen to that message if you've not uh, heard it. And it maybe some of you are like, it was so good, I want to listen to it again. Um, it's there. When you have two people who are 100% in trying to outserve and out-honor and out-give and out-love one another, that's a marriage that's thriving, not just surviving. That's a marriage that, that it's made in heaven, not a marriage made in hell. Two powerful questions to ask yourself. First question is this. What would happen if you both gave 100%? Just think about that just for a second. Second question is this. What will happen if you don't? It's awfully quiet in this Holy Ghost-filled church. The devil is a liar. But the truth will set you free. The devil will tell you, you can change them. But only God can change your spouse. And the devil will tell you, marriage is 50-50. But the truth is, is that it's wholehearted, 100% surrender of ourselves in loving and honoring one another. Another one of these dangerous lies is this. That one little thing isn't a big thing. That one little thing... It isn't a big thing, so we don't need to give it any attention. We'll just pretend it doesn't exist. I won't even tell my spouse about it. This one little secret, this one little challenge, this one little way I'm dealing with things, this one little coping mechanism that I have that nobody knows about, 
It's not really a big thing. And the devil lies to you like no one will know. It's not that big of a deal. You can manage this. You can keep this secret. This one little thing isn't a big thing. Can I tell you, in in almost 24 years of marriage, this year in August, we'll celebrate 24 years of marriage. Also in August, we'll have been in full-time ministry for 22 years. So between my marriage experience and my ministry experience, I've observed and experienced for myself and seen in others that the big problems that destroy marriages almost never start out big. Someone will say, well, what destroyed my marriage was that they were unfaithful. Or what destroyed our marriage was that they were living uh, um, like a, a second life. They, they, had, they were living two lives. Or what destroyed my marriage was whatever this other big thing is over here, whatever, fill in the blank with some big thing. But it's never the big problems alone. All those big problems started out as very small issues. They started out small somewhere. And it's the little things that if they're left unchecked and and if they're left unconfessed, they start to grow and they compound and they'll get bigger and 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 bigger until it destroys your marriage. But it just didn't, it didn't start out that way. Started out as a small thing, and those those unconfessed little sins, they can become complicated big things. And it's easy to blame the loss of a marriage on the big thing, but what we need to realize is that you can keep your marriage from experiencing pain, from experiencing destruction of the big sins if you will just deal with them now before they get any bigger. Deal with them now before they grow up. I saw a video on Facebook yesterday of a child in Walmart. And maybe you guys saw this too. This little child, I say little child, this girl was probably about 10, 11, 12 years old, throwing a fit in Walmart. She's with her grandmother probably. If if we can kind of connect the dots between the, the age of who she was with. And you know how, like, at this time of the year, like, they're starting to put out, like, all the, like, the plants, the little flowers and stuff, it, like, on the displays right when you walk in, all the, the home and garden stuff. And the girl's just taking these, like, little flowers, and she's just dumping them on the ground and, ta- and throwing them, and, and she's going over and kicking her grandmother, and the people are trying to intervene, but because of our world today, nobody can touch her and restrain her, so everybody's like, you know, and, and then she gets into just another lady random shopper from Walmart comes by and she gets into it with her and this lady was trying to like, somebody needs to take you and whoop your hind in, girl. And, and the little girl, 10, 11, 12 years old, is just starting to just cuss and, and just, you couldn't believe it. How did that 10, 11, 12 year old girl get to be that way? Because when she was two, she did not receive, she was not given the correction that she needed. And I'm telling you, it's the same thing with these issues in our life. 
10, 11, 12 years down into your marriage, you're going to be dealing with a hellraiser of an issue if you don't deal with it right now. Some of you are, not, you're beyond the 10, 11, 12-year mark. And you're, you're into decades. It's not too late. Deal with it today. Deal with it now. I promise you, you don't want what you don't want what's coming down the road. I promise you. This world will this culture that we live in, the enemy will try to lit, to, to to lie to you and tell you, you can get a divorce. It will fix everything. It won't be that bad. I'm telling you, that is a lie. Divorce is not an answer to your problems. Jesus hates divorce. Now, if you've been divorced, he doesn't hate you, but it's not his vision for your life. And if, you are, if you're sitting here and you're divorced today, praise God for his grace. Praise God that he, for, for second chances. Praise God that for some of us that we, we came out of one thing and we, we've, we're, we're a new person and we're not the same person that we were in that old marriage. And I, and I look and I praise God for, I think about Jackie and Dave sitting there on the back row who some years ago went through a divorce, but God reconciled them and now they're a strong marriage and they love Jesus and they're a shining example to this church. But I'm telling you, some of you are on, you're here and, and it's quite possible that one of you in this relationship sitting here next to your spouse right now, you ha- you're struggling with this issue right now in your heart. And the enemy is, is shouting at you. He's like, just, just get a divorce. Just call it quits. That'll, that'll fix everything. You, 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 it'll, it'll be okay. It'll be good. And the other person sitting right next to you has no idea. That, that can happen. And then when divorce papers are served, you're like, where in the world did this come from? What in the, I knew things weren't great, but I didn't realize it was like this. How did it get to that point? You didn't deal with it when it was small. Deal with the issues today before they get any bigger, before they become this 10, 11, 12-year-old girl throwing around potted plants and kicking people inside Walmart. Don't have a marriage like that. You know, there's a lot less pressure to dismantle a bomb before the detonator is set. Some of you guys have like, you've got your, your marriage is a bomb right now. And instead of like dismantling it, you keep adding C4 to it. And then one day, the, the right time, eventually, the right moment, the, at the, the right circumstance, the detonator is going to come in. And then it's going to be like, how do we dismantle this thing? We've got to get it done. How many of you know you sweat a lot of bullets when the detonator is set already? But before the detonator is set, before the, the fuse is lit, before the timer is started, it's a lot easier to dismantle the bomb. Do it today. Start working on it today. I'm not saying you're going to go home today and all of this is going to be like, I'm going to pray for God to change you. I'm going to pray for God to change me. And by 10 o'clock tonight before we go to bed, it's all going to be fixed. Now, some of you, I hope it works like that. But for some of us, I know 
It is a commitment that we have to make toward health, toward the truth, toward a loving 100%, 100% relationship. You didn't get here overnight. It's not going to be fixed overnight. Be committed to the long haul. Be committed to the long journey of, of walking toward health and restoration. Song of Solomon. Some of you are like, yes, praise God. I love that book of the Bible. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, says this. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. For the grapevines are blossoming. I like this metaphor. That the, the vineyards, which is their relationship, that it's being blessed. And whenever your relationship is being blessed, you can count on the enemy to come in and attack. When the Lord is trying to do something in your life, you can count on the enemy bringing resistance. And here's what the little foxes do. They come at night. They don't come in the middle of the day where you can see them coming because that'd be just... That'd be easy for us to root them out. They come under the cover at night, and it's interesting how sin grows in the dark. And the first thing they do is they go for the, to the vine, and they go for the fruit. And they, 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 they take the fruit of your marriage, the fruit of your labor, the, the things that are on the surface, the things that are on the outside, the things that are a little bit more tangible that you can experience with your five senses, but then what do foxes do? Where do foxes live? They live in the ground. They burrow and they make fox dens, right? Foxholes. And what does that do? It kills the roots. So they start with the outside and they end up killing the roots. And that's what little unconfessed sins do, the secret sins, the uncontrolled desires is what they do, the little lustful thoughts that you think, well, that's just not that big of a deal. You know, the secret spending the secret addictions, the, the little lies. You know, it's just a little lie. You know, I, no, I, I didn't come straight home from work, but it's not that big of a deal, so I'm just telling her I stayed late at the office. These little things, little by little by little, they're going to rob you of the blessing of the God-honoring vineyard, the God-honoring relationship. And, and, it's, it's looking up your old flame on Facebook so you can know how to pray for them, right? I mean, that's why you did it, right? And you might say, well, J.D., it's not that big of a deal. But I know, some of you know what you're doing is sin. You know it is. But you've believed the lie, it's not that big of a deal. And, and even though you might even call it sin, what tends to happen is you convince yourself uh, and you're, you're thinking to yourself that you're managing your sin. Well, I'm just going to manage this. Listen, you don't manage sin, you confess it. If you think you're managing sin, it's working the other way around, partner. Sin is managing you. You got sin, you confess it. 
Earlier, I quoted James chapter 5, verse 16, where it says, the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. But that's not the entire verse. Right before that, the verse right before that says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In other words, you want to be righteous? That is the pathway towards being righteous. Confessing your sins to one another. Praying for one another that you would be healed. There, there, there's some of you that have these little secret sins and, and, and they have the potential of growing. But if you have the courage to confess it, you can defeat it. Catch all the little foxes before they ruin the vineyard of love. It's easier for two to catch a fox than it is for one. Confess it and let's catch the foxes together. And maybe, yeah, you need to confess some things maybe to your spouse, but maybe, men, maybe there's some brothers in here that you need to confess some things to so that they can walk with you. So together y'all can catch some foxes. Ladies, same thing. Maybe you need to confess some things to your spouse, but maybe there's some sisters in the Lord that you need to come alongside you that aren't going to go around and tell all your business to everybody, but you trust them. You're like, I, I, need, I need to confess this. I need you to pray for me so that I can be healed, so that my marriage can be healed, so you can walk with me, that we can walk towards freedom. Now, what's going to happen is you're going to make a confession, and if you're on the receiving end of a confession... You might get hurt. It's just a reality. But what you need to remember is that when someone comes to you to confess and ask for help, it's an expression of love. It's an expression of they see where this marriage is headed and they don't like it. It's an expression of, I have a vision for our marriage, and if I stay on this trajectory, if we stay on this trajectory, we're not going to reach the vision. And so if someone comes to you and they have a confession, that might hurt in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to save you a world of pain. It's going to save you a world of hurt. It's one of the most generous expressions of love, seriously. Even if the first, even if it first hurts, if it's painful. Listen, hiding a secret is going to result in far more pain than receiving the secret in confession and working on it together. If you have to hear a confession, receive it with a spirit of grace and recognize they want to love me better. And they want my help to catch those little foxes. Remember, it's so much easier for two to catch a fox than one. The devil's a liar. He's going to tell you, oh, you can change them. But the more you try, the more you're just driving a wedge between you and them. Only God can change them. The devil is a liar. He'll tell you it's 50-50, but it's not. God designed our marriages to be 100-100. The devil's a liar. He'll tell you that the little thing isn't a big thing, but it's the little foxes that will eventually spoil the vine. And the truth is, 
we can walk in freedom. If you can confess it, you can be, be healed of it. There's other lies that the enemy wants to use against us to destroy our marriages. We could have an entire seminar about this, but that's, that's what we have time for today. And, and just this, bringing it back to this question right here, why? Why does the enemy want to destroy our marriages? What's, what's the whole end game? If, if the enemy can destroy your marriage, or at the very least, he can keep it from thriving, and it means that he can keep your home from being an altar. He can keep your home from hosting the presence of God, for the presence of God to come to dwell. Because I'm telling you what, our marriages are a big stone in the altar. Right? And that's the vision that God's given to us this year, right? Every home and altar. And if he can mess with your marriage and, and destroy it, or again, keep it from thriving and being everything that God's vision for it is, is, is for it to be, then he can keep you, he'll, he's, he's, he'll be good with that. Oh, good. I'm messing with them. They'll, they're not making their home an altar. Their home's a garbage dump. Listen, get a vision for your life, for your own heart. Get a vision for your marriage. Get a vision for your home. Get a vision for this church. Your heart an altar. Your marriage an altar. Your home an altar. This church an altar. Let's pray. Father, we just ask you that your truth would invade our hearts and it would just expose any lies and that your truth would change our lives and it would change our marriages. Those of you who are sitting here today, you, you, you might think that, yeah, I've been vulnerable to some of these lies. The devil's attacking you. The devil's attacking your marriage. The devil's attacking your kids. He's doing that because he hates you. Because he hates God. And you're created in the image and likeness of God. And you've decided, I'm going to follow Jesus. So what does he do? He's going after you. Because he hates, he hates God. And yes, we may be vulnerable to some of these lies. But God can reveal truth to us, and the truth can set us free. And the truth can set our marriages free. And the truth can make our marriages blossom, like, like in, second, like in uh, Song of Solomon. That our relationship, our, our vineyard is blossoming. Do it, God. If you're here in the room, or maybe you're watching online, or you're listening to the podcast, or whatever, if you're here and you say, yes, I want to believe the truth, I want to see it in all of my relationships, God show me truth, help me to live truth in all of my relationships. If you want to see the truth, hear the truth, leave the, live the truth, believe the truth, speak the truth, just raise your hands right now. And I just hope that it'd be everybody in the room, praise God. You're not raising your hand to say, I have a terrible marriage. You're raising your hand to say, God, I just want your truth to prevail in my heart and in my marriage and in my home. 
Jesus, show us the truth. Father, I thank you that your truth always dispels the lies and that, 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 that light always defeats darkness. God, shine your light into the darkness. Lord, destroy all the lies with your unchanging truth, the lies that we talked about today and the lies that maybe we, we've not yet to talk about. Some of the lies, one of the lies that some people in this room are believing is that there is no hope for your marriage. But I'm telling you that with Jesus, there is all hope because he's the hope of the world. He's hope of your heart. He's hope of your marriage. He's ho- hope of your home and he's hope of this church. Don't believe that lie. Right now, I just pray God for the victories that, that need to come in our thought life and in our mind, Lord God, that you would renew our minds, that we would not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but we'd be transformed by the renewing of our minds to your truth. Lord, just destroy all, all the lies that are contrary to your truth, your unchanging truth. Change our lives in the way that we love one another. We're asking you, the spirit of truth, to reveal truth to us and change us with that truth. God, I just pray that we'd, we'd be open to hear what you're saying to us, not just to our own hearts, but you, we'd be open to, to hear what you're saying to us through, through the truth in your word and through the truth in the community. God. God, I thank you for our life groups here at Seeds Church, God. Thank you for what, just how they're life-giving to us as individuals and to our marriages and every area of our life, God. I, I just pray that you would use even this community to minister truth to one another in our marriages. And, uh, and as, you, as you give us the trust and the power and the safety, God, to open up with the right people to open up to our spouse, to open up to a friend, to open up to our life group leader or whoever, whoever God. Lord, we ask you, open up our hearts to you. Show us the truth, God. Search our hearts. Lead us in the way of everlasting life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some of you are believing the truth, maybe, that not just there's no hope for my marriage, but there's no hope for me. And why would God ever want anything to do with me? And that's a lie from the enemy. God loves you. He created you. He has a plan for your life. He has a vision for your life. His vision for your life is for you to not be destroyed by the works of the enemy and by sin. His, his plan for your life is to live in freedom and to make a difference for his kingdom. Would you just stand with me right now? And if you're here today and you want to turn and repent from the life that you've been living, going your own way, going the way of this world, if you've got, if, if your, your life is surrendered to sin, I want to invite you today, right now, to step out of that and take a step toward Jesus and say, Jesus, you are Lord of all. Now I come under submission to that. I, 
God, you're not Lord because I make you Lord. You're already Lord. But Lord, I come into your kingdom. I want to step out of the kingdom of darkness and into your kingdom of light. I want to surrender myself to your lordship, to your leadership. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want to receive the Holy Spirit. I want to to live the life that you have destined for me. And if that's you today, I just want to invite you to pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, and I just want to give you my life. I turn from the old way. I don't want to do my way anymore. I want to do your way. I've been living a life that's just full of sin and full of self-indulgence and full of just self-gratification. And, and God, I'm, it's leading me nowhere. And I, I'm drawn to you. So I give my life to you. I give my life to you. Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life. that God raised you from the dead. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit and clean me and wash me and make me new. Give my life purpose. Make a difference with my life. Give me the gifts of your Spirit. Thank you that you call me son. I thank you that you now call me daughter. That I've moved from 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 creation now into sonship or daughtership. I'm now a child of God, and I thank you for that. And I thank you. I'm forgiven, and I rejoice, and I give thanks in Jesus' name.